Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. This is 7 Million Bites, a Saigon podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode 10, which is going to be the final episode of season 5. So if you've been listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. We're going to take a short break and then we'll get back with season 6 as soon as possible. I already have most of the guests lined up. um, But in the meantime, we'll put out some compilation episodes to keep you entertained from the previous season. And if you've got any idea for someone you'd like to hear on 7 Million Bikes, then feel free to drop me a message with that suggestion. And also remember, if you're in Saigon, then make sure you come along to a comedy show. You can see all the events on 7millionbikes.com. And if you do come along, make sure you come and say hello. I always love meeting people who listen to the podcast. Now, we have a great guest today to finish the season. She's a German-Vietnamese DJ who's just been featured in Vice magazine. We talk about the music scenes in Berlin and Glasgow, what it means to be Bavarian, why she came to Vietnam, and I asked a question that everyone wants to know. Does she play Vienna House? I want to give a shout out to Lewis Wright, the producer of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Lewis has been involved since the very, very first day of 7 Million Bikes. He was helping me with the sound with the first microphone that I bought. He was the second ever guest I recorded. His wife was the first. And both of those episodes were just test episodes that we were doing in my front room just to see how we could make the sound as good as possible, which has always been a big goal of mine and something that Lewis has helped with. And so those two test episodes went on to become the second and the sixth episode of season one. So go back and listen to them if you can. As I said, they were just meant to be testing the sound and they were so interesting that um, they ended up becoming full episodes. And since then, we've become even closer with Kim and Lewis and uh, we were at their wedding just last year. And I want to give a big thank you to Lewis for everything he does for the show. He's actually, he's a super talented music producer. He makes his own tracks, he makes remixes, as well as doing music production, sound engineering, and he even makes music videos as well. So he made the COVID-19 music video that you can check out on my YouTube channel. And he's just done one for the local band, The Cards. Shout out to Adam and Ben. So make sure you check out his Facebook page, Lewis Wright Music Producer. It's in the show notes. If you're ever needing any of that type of work, then make sure you get in touch with Lewis. If you do enjoy this content, then please think about becoming a member of a Vietnam podcast on Patreon. Again, the link is in the show notes. If you become a member, you'll get access to exclusive content. You'll also get episodes a day earlier than anyone else, and you'll also get free tickets to comedy shows. Or if you want to buy me a coffee or a beer, you can do that too on coffee.com. Again, the link is in the show notes. 
Thank you to Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson for supporting on Patreon from the beginning. And I've just been bought another coffee today from Tang all the way in Berlin. So thank you very much again. I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, my Vietnamese is terrible. So I hope you've enjoyed this season. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please feel free to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. I love to hear from people and I will always respond. Thanks. Welcome to the final episode of season five, Seven Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today. She is a DJ, an event producer, German Vietnamese, and has just been featured in Vice magazine in an article about young artists shaping Saigon's creative underground scene. So welcome to the show, Levi Oi. <laughs> Hello. Thank you very much for joining. Very happy to be here. So tell us a bit about the article that's just come out. It's very exciting. Very. I'm really pumped about it. The interview actually was um, done two months ago, but the, in, uh, the article was just released. So I'm really, really happy about it. I still can't believe it. <laughs> so tell us about and what, is, what does that mean, shaping Saigon's underground scene? Tell that, us more about the scene. Actually, I um, did not really know the caption of the article. We just had the interview first about um, the quarantine here and um, the situation during the lockdown. But then Vietnam also, I don't know, like changed a bit in the last weeks and months and years. So uh, the article was then focused on the underground scene here. And um, we basically talked about the music industry, the music scene and um, which artists... I really like who inspired me in the past and which artists are shaping the scene now in Saigon. And yeah, it was really interesting to talk about music and also other artists were interviewed who shaped the fashion industry here. So I think underground is not just music here. It's basically, yeah, every everything like art, culture, music, fashion. Yeah. Yeah, the article did feature models and fashion designers and things like that. So I guess it wasn't technically all underground. But tell us about the music scene in, in Saigon because it's something we've brought up on the podcast before. Um, and for me, from my point of view, I'm like a indie fan. You know, I grew up listening to Oasis and rock and roll and things like this. So I'm not like immersed in the DJ culture here so much. So I don't really know much about that. I do love like electronic music. Like I also grew up with the Chemical Brothers. Like they're my favorite Chemical Brothers and Oasis to me like I could just listen to them all day every day so I love electronic music like Fatboy Slim as well he's another one of my like favorite artists of all time but I don't seek electronic music out so much like I don't go to clubs I don't really listen to it that much even though I love it so I'm such a, a novice almost like I don't even know the difference between techno and house and trance and all of this stuff I think I kind of like it all But I couldn't tell you what's the difference. So tell us a bit about the, the scene here in Saigon, the different types of music. And very, very important question. Do you make Vinna House? <laughs> I think I need to pick up on the last question. Uh, I don't make it myself yet. But I first when I arrived here, I was like, oh, that's so weird, that music, you know. Like we all think about it like, who came up with this? It, the lyrics and like the beat, it's sometimes a bit too much, but now being here, I need to really embrace it, I think, because it's it's part of the culture. And maybe I wouldn't make this type of Vina House, but I would maybe make something a bit with a twist. So do, for anyone who's listening who doesn't really know what Vina House is, what is Vina House? And why were you laughing when I asked that <laughs> question? Because <laughs> Vina House is uh, house, yeah, Vina House is basically Vietnamese house music. And um, it's basically part, like, one part is the vocal, which is usually, like, a very, like, dramatic love, like, heartbreaking song, you know? Like, the lyrics are really, like, heartbreaking. And then you have, like, the beat, which is very kind of aggressive and pushing. So people are getting into the mood, getting into party mood. And it's very rep repetitive, so extremely, extremely repetitive. repetitive. Even like, like someone who doesn't know about music, right? Yeah, It's, I mean, I've heard overheard it in shops and or wherever I am, and I'm like, is this same song going on for 15 minutes? What's yeah. happening? The song, the beat is going on for 15 minutes or 10 minutes, and the lyrics are basically a whole track of like that like ballad or like love song and I don't even speak the language but I can hear that it's like some tragic love song yeah, going on like, so it's, na, na, na. yeah 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 <laughs> so it's 
So you don't make Vienna House. So then go back to my earlier kind of long drawn out question. Tell us about the different styles of music, the scene here in Saigon. What's that like? So what I've also said in the interview is that um, the songs or like the music industry here is very diverse. So there are different genres here. And when I first came here, I was really surprised because I came back from, I came from Berlin. So you have a lot of techno music there. Technos, like that's like the the music and love language in Berlin. And when I came here, I was like, oh, I miss it so much. There's nothing like techno. There is techno, but not that much. Mm, so I had to open up a bit to the music industry and music scene here. And I went to a lot of like, I know, like um, trap and like uh, other like Vietnamese styles, Vietnamese kind of like house music, techno, or mostly there are like a lot of like, now it's a lot of hip hop and rap because of like the rap shows here. So I really had to open up my mind. I was like, okay, Levy, you can't just be like, oh, I'm like from Berlin, so I need to listen to techno. So, but I need to really open up. And uh, I think I've really discovered a lot of cool artists here who inspired me also to just, yeah, do my thing and um, believe in my music, but also really support each other. Because imagine I would just be in my techno world of like three people like who listen to that. That's not, I want, really want to reach everyone with my music and touch everyone um, without, of course, losing my my main core of music and um, style. So what is the difference between techno, house, what are the other variations okay. of electronic so, music? So um, when you go back in history, uh, so house music, okay, first there was disco. From disco, house music developed and from house music, techno developed. And um, the May, so where techno was developed is Detroit. And Chicago shaped basically house music. And um, after that, from Detroit, Detroit um, techno, it went to the UK. Um, and it became Acid House over there because of like the parties. So the party scene shaped the also the music scene. And then um, in Germany, some like like this like, you know, Kraftwerk? Mm -hmm. So they also experimented a bit with um, yeah, with music and techno. And basically, they also shaped the techno music. And then it got, again, exported to the US. And I think it's so interesting. I think there's just like one guy probably who had like some records. And then he went, he traveled. And then they found it really well, cool. And then they took some drugs. And, you know, I think it's so interesting how music developed and in Vietnam, I really want to also discover how Wiener House um, got developed or how it um, became what it is now. And I heard that it's just like a couple of DJs who were just, yeah, how can we make our music club like... Do you think uh, they've, they've made a beat and fell asleep? Yeah, they and, think so. And they then... just made... A, yeah, they just had like, okay, we have those <laughs> love songs. What can we do with them, you know? How can we make them? Because everyone loves them. How can we make them suitable for the club's and I think there was just like one guy who, I don't know, who maybe experimented a bit with that and said, yeah, let's just put a beat on it. And then just like loop it for like three hours and make a track and make like a Wiener House mix. And okay, how can we sell it? How can we make it business, um, worth of business? Let's just put a girl there who has like, you know, looks beautiful. And then we just let her play the music. I think that's, I think Vietnamese people are very business minded. And uh, that's why I think Wiener House got so big because um, it's very, you can sell it so well in everywhere, yeah. Now, I'm glad you brought this point up because this is the one question I've been dying to ask you. I'm so excited. I've got a DJ on the show. Okay. I'm going to ask this question, <laughs> right? You've just brought it up. Now, I don't know anything about DJs. I don't mm -hmm. know much about electronic music as I've clearly yeah. showed already. Now, in Vietnam, if anyone who's listening who's not from Vietnam, it's very common you go to a bar or a club or somewhere mm. and there will be a, a beautiful girl behind a DJ booth, sometimes scantily clad, sometimes not. Okay. And I will just see her like fiddling knobs and moving things and doing this and this and that. And I've literally been at a places and I stare and I'm like, is she affecting the music? I know so little about electronic music. I'm staring going like, right, she just moved something. Did that do something to the music? And I can't figure it out. And so my question, and I'm 
I've been dying to know this for so long. Is she actually DJing or is that just a USB stick and she's pretending to DJ? That's, I've also been asking that a lot of times because I've been to the local clubs here and I really, I I don't want to say it. I don't know. I don't want to be the person, oh, like, oh, she doesn't play music properly. Um, I think a lot of times you can, it's it's very simple to DJ sometimes when you have, like, you can already prepare a mix and then you can just stand there and pretend to play. Um, now, like, in the clubs that we're at play, it's not like that. I think they really... I would imagine the clubs you're at, it's not, but it's I not mean like the, the other like, kind of clubs. I think in, like, beer clubs, you know, where it's really about commerce and about making a lot of money. Um, I think the girl really has to... I don't know, attract those customers who are willing to pay maybe more money. I don't, it, I really need to discover more. In oh, that it's so disappointing. I thought you were going to give me the definitive no, answer. I've been I wanting can't. this answer for so long. It, the DJs have a different role here in Vietnam, for mm. sure. Or like in the traditional clubs, not like, it's not for, for example, where I'm from or like in Germany or probably in a lot of countries, the DJs are there to, curate and to really educate the people about music not educate but like show them something new or um sharing feelings with their music you know and in a lot of uh, clubs it's more about making money and making people drink more which is actually the traditional sense of a dj right the dj's role is to bring the people and make the business roll and like let the business make money but i think in like developing countries like vietnam it's really still like very it's very strong, this mindset of like DJ has to bring people, right? Sometimes you just book the DJ to really like surprise people, to educate them. I mean, I've seen businesses put ads out saying we're looking for beautiful young girls who can DJ. Yeah, and that's, yeah, sometimes still sad. And I've always also had the had an interview with like a female like newspaper here, like a Vietnamese one. And they also asked the same question, like what made it so hard for me to become a DJ here. I think I'm lucky because my music is very underground. So I don't need to really like, I don't really want to like be like, oh, I want to just dress up and like wear nothing and play there to make money. No, it's for me. It's really about mm. the music. And um, if you look good, it's in plus, but it shouldn't really dictate your your mm. music. And Have you ever been approached about that or asked about that? Like, we want you to come play, but can you wear a bikini? Things like mm, that. I think never. No, that's good then. Yeah, really never. And I've, I think, uh, Vietnamese people, like in general, are very respectful towards women. Mm. I think, but and they, I know you're in a different scene. Like, I know that scene, you're not yeah. like the kind of like I'm gonna go and do a beer hall DJ. You're exactly. in exactly. Although it's uh, kind of like my dream to host like a really big techno party in a beer club, but with my crowd, uh, you know, nice. because. Because those, I don't know like why, but those beer clubs have the best light, lighting system, like some. Sure. And some, it's just like, yeah, the lighting is so dope. And like, it's so big. So you do like a, a rave in a beer club would be really my dream. Like really, like one day, guys, one day, let's do it. <laughs> now, to go back a little bit, what was the name of that band that you just said? The influential band from Germany? Kraftwerk. Now, this made me laugh because uh, I'm going to say the same band name but in my accent. Okay. This how, is how I call them. How would you call them? Craftwork. Craftwork. <laughs> <laughs> Craftwork. <laughs> I thought you might laugh at that. Craftwork. Is that oh, how right. you would do it? Yeah, <laughs> so it's totally different. So you're German-Vietnamese, so tell me about how, tell me about that. Mm, so I was born in Germany in like a very small Bavarian town. And I was always the only one, like with my brother, we were, only the, we were the only Vietnamese. And I went to school there and then I moved to Berlin to study, to study international business and marketing. Yeah, like a lot of Vietnamese <laughs> who study business, right? Vietnamese, Germans. And then, yeah, what can I say? I, yeah, basically I'm German. I, I feel very German <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Um, although I don't really want to be like be too German when I'm here in Vietnam, but it always comes through. Well, I actually um, did a, a show this week, a comedy show for the, well, I did a comedy performance for the German Business Association. Mm. So I met a lot of Germans, obviously, and I, I met a guy, he was from Bavaria, actually, and he was telling me that Bavaria is similar to Scotland and that Bavaria is kind of very different. It's not, they almost feel like they're not part of Germany. Is that right? 
Absolutely. Like when I say, yeah, I'm from Bavaria, it's like, okay, so you're not from Germany. Or like my part of Bavaria is also like, it, it's really funny because Bavarians sometimes don't have the best reputation in, in Germany. For example, in Berlin, everyone's like, oh, okay, you're from Bavaria. So it's kind of like, because it's like a very, I know, like there's like a cliche that Bavarians are like very hardworking and very, like very strict and very like, formal and in Berlin people and and Bavaria people think that Berlin people don't work and they're lazy I don't know so <laughs> or also when you do like um Abitur it's like the A-levels like the high school degree when you do in Bavaria it means like wow okay you're you do really well like you're really smart and stuff it's just so stupid um but I think it's really funny because for me growing up in Bavaria I I feel like it's very German I think it's the most German part for me in Germany, Bavaria. This show that I did, my, my opening line basically was, this is the most German event, the most German thing I've ever done. They gave you the run sheet at the beginning of the show. And there was some comedy, there was some acrobatics, there was singing, and it was literally like 8.01, you will perform. 8.011, you will finish. Next act, 8.11 to 8.13, 8.13 to 8 Eight nineteen, whatever you know what I mean. It was literally like minute by minute, and it went like clockwork. I was like, "This is the most Germanly efficient event I've mm. ever done." It's that's really that's really German. I really like. Sometimes I'm like, "Wow, I can feel that I'm really German because I kind of like this stuff, but I also like kind of, oh my god, it's too much, you know, like too so German." But it helps really, I think, if you have the mindset. But you should like. I don't. I am not planning my day like that, but. Mm, it helps a lot to be sometimes a bit like strict. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was brilliant. The event went like clockwork. Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, there's other events, probably my events as well. I think, well, we'll, we'll get started when we're, yeah, when we're ready, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like That's often my events. We put down doors open 7.30, show starts 8.30, 8.45, nobody's there. 9 o'clock, 9.15, it's starting to fill up. And you're like, I put on the event. Doors open at 7.30, show starts at 8.30 still. Just last week, same thing. Show's meant to start at 8.30. And two people left because they were like, when's the show starting? I was like, sorry, we still having to wait for everyone. Because we had, we knew people were coming and it ended up filling up. But Vietnam time is different to German, German time, right? It's so hard for me. Like every time when I come, like in the beginning when I moved here, like always like was on time. Like if someone says 7 p.m., I'm like there at like 6.59 or like 6.57 something. Yeah. And people show up at 7.45, maybe one hour later. And I'm like, oh my God, I had to really get used to the timing here. Because I said that to a friend of mine, when you come late in Germany, you lose your friends. Like people are really not very, like when you come late, like too many times and very late. Yeah, you make enemies with that for sure. Wow. Yes. Well, I was telling this story last night to a friend about the the German efficiency. She was American and she didn't know that stereotype. She's like, what? And I was like, yeah, like German efficiency. Like maybe because I'm British. Yeah. We know this, you know, German car making or whatever it is. Like it's, and one thing I remember a German friend told me was this when I lived in Australia, they were really shocked that um, when they were going through the checkout in the supermarket that the cashier is so friendly. And it's the same in the UK. They'd be like, hey, how's your day going? Are you all right? What are you up to? And Scotland especially, you know, you'll be best friends within a minute. You'll be talking about your auntie's dead dog and things like that. But he was saying in Germany, he found that so shocking that Australians were so friendly because in Germany, when you go to the supermarket, the cashier just like puts your groceries through, gives you your money and you're gone. And it's not ruder, it's just like, you're nodding your head, so is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We don't really like need small, like Germans are not really into small talk. And also like in, at the supermarket, it's very, um, no, they just do their job. But of course, like in, on the countryside where I'm from, of course, you would ask, you know, because like they know you, but it takes a time. It takes a long time to that people warm up in Germany or German people warm up. And uh, I think when I, because when I moved to Vietnam, I really, I think I was never like shy. So for me, I always do small talk and I like to um, be open-minded. But German people in general are, yeah, but I think a bit closed-minded. Not sometimes, that, but but later when they open up, they're really open. I mean, I think that that's kind of like the stereotype of German, right? Really like stiff back and, you know. But I mean, the German people I've met, I've met in my lifetime are amazing. They're like the funniest, craziest people. Like 
They're really fun people. They don't match the stereotype at all. Yeah, I think when the people like, I don't know, maybe because where I'm from, the people are usually like very like, kind of like traditional, but Germans who travel or Germans who live abroad are usually very open-minded. And maybe that's the difference. Because there's really a difference between, even I find with Americans who've traveled and moved abroad are very different to Americans who've never left America. And probably the same with Scottish and in every country as well. But yeah. you know, any German I've met... Always, Germans are crazy, I, I agree. Very. It was a good time. So tell us about Berlin, because I do know, um, I used to work with a DJ in New Zealand and he would go to Berlin every year. He was like a, I don't know if he was a techno DJ or a house DJ, <laughs> but he was a DJ and he would go to Berlin. And I know that's like one of the kind of capitals of the, like DJ, how do you say it? I don't, I don't want to say the wrong thing. House capital of the world, trans capital of the world. What, how would I say mm, capital of the world? I think Berlin for me is the, techno club capital of the or club tech capital of the world like the amount of clubs that you have in berlin that play techno music is insane yeah. and also like house music and in, just not mu clubs but parties in general mm, like, that's what i've heard really like, liberal population liberal, as well liberal yeah. like started like back in the past with the love parade you know and like all those like street festivals street parades for like the first of may for like labor day or just like for everything, you have a carnival, like not just in Berlin, but like in the whole country, we really are into fest festivals, little like parties. And I mean, Berlin became such a, such, such a techno capital, a club capital, because after the wall came down, like people really, I think techno liberated them also and made them really like, it's like a music of freedom for me. Mm. When you go into a techno club, no one really cares who you are. You just go in there and, you just leave your phone like now in like most of the clubs in Berlin, you you're not allowed to take pictures, so they just like like you have the sticker on your phone and everyone are respecting the rule, you know. You're not like there's no one who's like going around like taking videos and Snapchatting That's or Instagram awesome. stories. Mm. No, it's just like you go in, you leave your phone behind, and you just go in there, enjoy the music, make friends, do what you want, you know. People like Berlin clubs, it's. Of course, they wouldn't support, like, people who are getting too, I mean, like, too, uh, I mean. Enjoying themselves <laughs> enjoying too themselves much. Enjoying themselves too much, say. exactly. Yeah. But everyone's respectful, and I, and I really like that. Mm. So that's why I think DJs also have, like, a really great experience to DJ there. Mm. People who go clubbing, who want to listen to good music, know that when they go there, because the DJ have so much fun and they really want to educate people, it's a really good match the clubs also have a good landscape because you can chill outside next to the river or you can have like this room where they only play like dark techno or like outside they play house music or you have open airs in Berlin in the summer. Everyone's drinking beer, chilling, you know, like mm. this vibe I think is unique in the whole world. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. I mean, so I'm from Glasgow and we, we had a really good scene as well. So when I was growing up, as I said, I was mostly into kind of indie rock and roll music. Mm. But I did love like dance music, techno music as well. We had some really cool clubs. We had the Archies, which was this club that was underneath the railway bridge. So it was like in an archway, the archway of the, the railway bridge. And that was a really cool club. Like, you know, and I went back to Scotland recently and I went back with my friend it's changed now. It's all kind of like gentrified almost. It got closed down. I think, you know, drugs and all that stuff problems. But uh, now it's like the archways, but it's like food trucks and beer and things like this. And it's like real family friendly. So I went there with my friend and we had like this gourmet burger and craft beer. And I was like, this is mental. We used to come here when we were like 19, you know, just like marching and just having the best time ever. I was like, this is, I feel so old now. I'm like 20 years older and it's now all beer trucks and food trucks. Like this is so different but we had a really really cool scene in um in glasgow from from dance music techno music things like that i heard about this club called sub club sub club yeah i remember and sub I really club, want yeah. to play there. <laughs> i don't think i doubt it's still open i don't think i ever went to sub club there is a like i said i wasn't really into the scene like i enjoyed the music loved it i couldn't probably tell you almost one dj or artist you know what i mean like so i was more into i uh, really into my indie music but i always loved it i loved when i lived in Australia, I would always go to Future Music. I don't know if you've heard of this festival. It's my fav one of my favorite festivals. I saw Chemical Brothers there back in 2008, I think it was, with my friend Mary. And it was still, to this day, I remember one of the best nights of my life. It was Chemical Brothers' album had just come out, I think it's called Further. 2011, I think it was, maybe. 2011, that's right, that album came out 2011. And uh, they were just, they are, they are my favourite Chemical Brothers. Like they, I like them, too. Yeah, <laughs> and their visuals and things like that are just, like, if you've seen them live before. Mm, never, actually, no. Unfortunately, not. 
Yeah, they're, they're really, really good. So uh, I'm going on about them too much. But yeah, we had a cool scene in Glasgow. So you're from Berlin. Now, so you lived through the fall of the Berlin Wall? No. So I was born and raised in Bavaria. But um, 2011, I moved to Berlin to study, right? And mm. I left Bavaria because it just got a bit, not boring, but I wanted to see something new. And I've always wanted to travel. Like since I'm little, I really love traveling. And um, because for my studies, I... I applied everywhere, a bit further away from home, and when I got the uh, when I got accepted at the university in Berlin to study international business, I was like, it was kind of like a door for me to to for to, for freedom and to be free and to do my thing. And I didn't know anyone in Berlin back then. I didn't have any friends. I was just like, okay, let's just go there. I don't know. So I moved there, and then I fell in love with Berlin so much, and met so many really a lot of other Vietnamese German. Mm. France, because back in Bavaria, I was the only one. So that was also really a great experience. And I don't know, I think that also was the reason why I got much more connected with my Vietnamese roots. Mm. And so how did your parents are both Vietnamese? And I learned from the episode we've just recorded previously with Nhi Mai, which I think you've listened to some of. So her parents, one of them moved to Germany before they moved to Switzerland. And they came over because before Germany reunified, I didn't know this. The, the eastern side of Germany would bring over Vietnamese people, which would make sense because they're both communist countries. Was that a similar story for your parents or how did your parents end up in Germany? And so my parents moved to Russia first and then came to Germany after. Which I didn't know until recently that Russia and Vietnam had such a massive connection, which yeah, again, it makes just... sense because they're two communist countries. So, so yeah, my friend told me all about the connection between Ukraine and Russia and I didn't realize any of that. Yeah, uh, I don't know why my... Parents probably were like me and they were like, oh, okay, we want to go to Russia, let's go. And like we, it's, it was on the way probably to Germany and they, yeah, just also went on an adventure because they wanted to leave Vietnam and start a new life. Right. And what did your parents do then when they moved to Russia and, and then Germany? That's a really good question. So they were telling me they were just like doing business there. I think it's just like Russia is more like, they tried to trade or also like my father was giving um, Russian lessons because he was like a like a translator. So he still speaks a bit of Russian. And um, I think it, they just wanted to save money to go to Germany too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've, I mean, obviously, I just have such a Western centric point of view. So when I first I met a few people who were like, yeah, I speak Russian or my partner speaks Russian or, or I was like, Vietnamese speak Russian? At first I found it so strange. I was like, what is the connection? And then of course I was like, oh duh, like the communist connection. So there's quite an exchange between the two countries, right? So how did you get into DJing from marketing, studying marketing and business? (laughs) You're like every single person in the world. We talked about this on an episode recently. There's almost nobody that uses their degree, right? My degree is in sport and exercise science, you know? So how did you go from marketing and business to DJ? Wow, that's a long haul, but I've always really loved electronic music. Since Okay, since I moved to Berlin in 2011, I've, the first time I stepped into a club, I was like, okay, this is, I love it so much. I love raving, I love clubbing, I love techno. How? Like, but I never really thought like, when you're so young and you just come to a new city, you don't really think that this is the, your job, you know? Like, it's only my passion. I don't really know how what to do with it. And... Um, also, when you're younger, you're more focusing on, how you say, uh, serving society by like studying, doing your degree and also Vietnamese parents. You know, you want to like do your thing and show them you you do well here. You know, they went so far. And now you need to also prove. And um, I really loved my degree, actually, because I have met so many great friends there and also friends that I still have until today, like best friends. Because I also did like the degree was really cool because I did one year of study in Berlin, then one year of study in in Cambridge and in the university um, which was located in Cambridge. Then one year of internship where I went to Vietnam, like to Saigon, and did my internship with um, MTV. I went to Dubai to work for the um, German Chamber of Commerce, and then I went to Australia. I did like three internships in one year because I just wanted to travel. And I worked for like a like a Schenker. It's like a shipment. Uh, they do like international shipments. 
Um, so I, and then I had went back to Berlin to finish my degree. So I chose that degree because I knew I would have like crazy experiences with that. And all of that really shaped my path until today because I think, first of all, the people I've met um, who really got me more into my music and I've, yeah, we just went traveling to go to really great parties. I met a lot of DJ friends who also trying to teach me to DJ, but I never really thought, okay, now I'm going to be a DJ. You know, I really, it was always there with me, very close, but never that I said, okay, this is like my path. So um, I went, after my studies, I went to London also to work there for my, I worked like in a, a tech company, like very, again, very far away from my actual path. But I've always felt that I've never really reached what I really want to do. I, I never really found my passion. So I said, okay, I think I need to break or I need to just to stop. So I said, okay, Vietnam, Saigon was kind of the number one like highlight of my whole time. So I think I need to go back there and just find back my roots. And maybe when I really go deep into myself that I find what I really want. And then I quit my job in London. I went to Berlin, packed my stuff. And then I just moved to Vietnam with like a suitcase and no idea. I had no job, nothing. How long ago was this? Uh, to the end of 2018. And all of my friends actually were really supportive and also my family. I think they already knew that everything that I've done so far wasn't really fulfilling me that much. And Saigon or Vietnam has always been like my like number one spot because I've always been back in Vietnam because of my family in Hanoi. I was going to ask, where are your parents' families yeah, from, from, Hanoi. from Hanoi? That's why like every year we went to Hanoi. Right. Like, and my dad's from Haizung. So we like northern basically. Was that not a massive disappointment then that you said I'm moving to Saigon? Yeah, a bit, I think. <laughs> everyone knew because, uh, you know, Saigon is like such a hot spot. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I need to go back there. It's so amazing. And uh, yeah. So um, what was your parents' reaction to that? Because just in the last episode, as I said, I was interviewing Yi Mai, who's Swiss Vietnamese. And I found it really fascinating that her parents were almost shocked and disappointed I think would be the right way to say it when she said she was moving to Saigon or back or to Vietnam because for her parents, they'd made such a struggle to leave Vietnam and set up a new life in Europe. It almost feels strange that then your child wants to reverse that and go backwards. So now they completely understand it and they, she's got a, a, you know, loves her life here and is, is being more fulfilled and is explore, exploring her roots. Did you have something similar or different? And then how's the transition been then coming back to Vietnam? My parents actually were very supportive um, they said from the beginning, okay, we're going to come later or we're going to support you in everything we do because they also did the same. They, In my age, they also left Vietnam. And I think it would have been unfair to, for them to say, oh, yeah, you you have to stay in Germany because we made it so far. No, like it's my way. And um, I've always been a bit rebellious. My parents also know. So if they said like, okay, you were not allowed to go, I would have still gone. So... I think for them, it was really cool and they really enjoy coming back here and visiting me too and really support my DJ career too because I think, because also I'm the only person in my family who's doing something with music. Like my parents, I think are in a way really proud. I mean, I'm really also happy about that. I think without the support of my parents, it would have been a bit harder and coming also to Saigon with no plan and then like, getting more into music and really like uh, involving myself in like music projects and stuff I really love. Showed them also maybe, yeah, okay, maybe less pressure is better, you know, because back in the past, of course, when I was going to school, they were always like worried about my grades, you know, of course, it's normal, you know. <laughs> I was always good at school, but Vietnamese parents have different standards, right? You need to have like A plus in math and stuff. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. I think growing older, um, they understand, we understand each other much better. And my relationship with them also became much better since I moved to Vietnam, to be honest. Awesome. So then how was that transition and moving to Saigon? How did you find that? Um, I've lived in Saigon for only three months before and I've traveled Vietnam, but living here is a very different experience. <laughs> it's just uh, starting from... I know just setting everything up here and like finding a place and but I think for me because I've traveled and lived in many countries it was not really hard to set myself up here but to really get used to the speed of Saigon 
I've underestimated it quite a lot when I came here. Um, this is a common thing of guests on the show, just friends I speak to. What you just said, the speed of Saigon, right? Like, it's just frenetic. It's just... And for anyone who's not been here, it's hard to explain until you get here. And for anyone who's been here or lives here that's listening, you know exactly what we're talking about. So crazy. Like, I think for tourists who come here, our friends who visit me here for like a week, they were like, oh my God, it's such a cool city. It's yeah, so dope. Yeah, yeah. But like, we love it. We want to live here. I'm like, yeah, I live here. Yeah. <laughs> you will get like... You will get crazy after a while. That's why I need to always travel to other uh, cities to just get like calm or to go to back to Hanoi to visit my family mm. there. Because I think if you, it's like a hamster wheel here in Saigon. So many opportunities, so many people. It's very loud here and people are never stopping and hardworking and you always feel like you don't do enough here. It's something my wife and I don't do enough, what you just said, that you need to leave every now and again and we do try, but not enough because you, and, but we've had spells where like, we need to get out of here. And I, I've talked about it again on the podcast before, we've now moved to a quieter area of Saigon now, so we live in District 2. So since then, that need to leave the city has probably lessened, but before we lived in District 4, same as you, and that's just like the hotspot of freneticness, if that's an actual word. And so, and you do have that, like you need to get out. And it's something you see common in the expat groups as well. Where can I go for a hike? Where can I go for a walk? How do I, where can, because Saigon is so big and so sprawling. It, it, you've got to go at least two or three hours before you get anywhere of some sort of calm, right? Yes, I, I also just need to go out so much because it's getting really too crazy here. But that's why living in Taudin, I think, is a good, uh, very good, <laughs> good, good spot to chill out. That's why I really just like to spend time in Taudin, although I live in, uh, like, in District 4. And um, that's why I really like to go to Dalat or go, like, to Muine, go surfing there, Dalat, go, we go hiking. Because luckily, some of my friends here are also really into outdoor stuff and I, when I go running, I like to go to District 7 or go to Sala. You know, there are some spots where you can chill, but you need to really plan those things a lot in the head. You cannot just say, okay, I'm, you know, like, I'm going to, like, take a chill. No, no, you need to plan it, everything. That's exactly right. You did, That's a great way to put it. Everything needs to be planned Plan. and thought out ahead. Because my wife and I always talk about when we lived in New Zealand before here, we lived in the CBD, like, literally the center of Wellington. And a 10-minute walk, we could be in beautiful hillside forest, just unbelievable parrots and birds and wildlife and nature. And it's just, you know, there's no planning. We could come home from work and be like, oh, it's a nice night. Want to go for a walk? Yeah, sure. And then you just go here. Yeah, I miss that sometimes. Like in Germany and Bavaria, I, um, I go like five minutes and I'm in the forest. Like super big forest. I see like deers and like little animals and... I can just go running there. The air smells so good. That's why I really I I couldn't have believed that I say that about I really miss Germany. Like sometimes, I mean, just the fresh air, the food. Not really the food, but like for example, I was in Fukuok and in, in um, Da Nang the uh, the last weeks, and I just went to like this German bakery and I bought like a pretzel. You know, I would never do that like usually, but then I I was just a bit homesick. Yeah. And it felt kind of good to just reconnect a bit with home and to appreciate, you know, like where you're from and where you are and really like be grateful, I think, also for the journey. And uh, There's a few German spots here though in Saigon, right? What, yeah. your, what, what places <laughs> do you go regularly when you feel homesick? Actually, I, I don't go to those places at all, I have to say. Only when I travel because I think in Saigon, I really don't have the... As I said, it's like, oh, it's too fast. I don't really have time to miss home. Like, I work or I just, like, engage my day-by-day ta- daily task. But when I travel, I take more time to to think. But w- actually, the place that has the best pretzel here is, uh, what is, like, this, this... It's, like, a delivery service here, uh, Haubes. Very good. So, I... I recommend it. It's not an ad, okay, guys? But I've just <laughs> ordered pretzels there and they're really, really good. Now we give, we can give shout-outs, that's fine. Shout-out yeah. to Halbus, guys. I'll put the, we'll put the link in the show notes <laughs> as well so people can click it, so we'll put that in there as well. Well, the place I've been going to recently is the German Beer Hall Never in Taudien. So it's not really German in terms of food. It's all international food, but it's, it's like a big beer hall. It's cool. Yeah, it's, and it's cheap beer as well. It's good. Need to go. Need to go, for sure. Now, when you came to Saigon, then did you have the plan to be 
become a de- like a professional DJ, like for that to be your career? A very good question, actually, because I have not planned that out. That was like that's not very German, but I've always wanted to DJ, but I've not. That's like really like you have this like idea of something and the result and the way there was for me like oh my god like oh I can't be a DJ can I be and but subconsciously I always made decisions to bring me there so I engaged in like a music project where I with Israeli DJs where I was looking for traditional Vietnamese artists to record their music with um, Israeli techno so I was producing co-producing like an EP to feature Vietnamese traditional artists and Israeli techno um, artists. And I think that was like my inspiration to also really go deeper into music. Like from Red Axis, we can maybe put a link there because the album is really, really amazing. Secondly, I've signed up the second time for like a DJ class, but this time I really like did like the whole course to really improve my DJ skills. And I started to just produce events and book DJs for my events. And one day I did an opening event for a bar in Saigon and I booked this DJ. And when, so that's a very funny story. He, the DJ went to the, went to the bathroom and I had my USB stick with me and I just put my USB in the DJ controller. And when he came back after like 10 minutes, I was playing and he was like, wow, you're really good. Like, I was like, uh, it's okay. I was, I mean, it was just like, playing around when you were gone. He was like, okay, come, we will practice more. And we practiced more and more and I got more confident. And then this DJ booked me then for an event where he was like, or for the club where he was resident DJ. And I think that time when he booked me, I was like, okay, I think this is really what I really want to do. That's and awesome. Yeah, just just came step by step. So nothing is really like, I think when you have like something in your mind, you... It's really hard to really execute it. But if you make baby steps, I think that's the best way. Like, don't, like, have this, when you want to become a DJ, okay, you're going to play in front of, like, a stadium now or in front of 2,000 people. No, just start small, like, playing with your friends or just get really, like, familiar with the with controller and um, know your sound. I think there are so many ways. Just take baby steps. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a word earlier that... Um resonated with me and in your story right now as well was opportunity. And it is one of the things in Saigon that draws so many people from within Vietnam and out with Vietnam is there is so much opportunity in Saigon right now because it's booming and it's busy and it's growing and developing and there's a need for this new art, not just art, business, culture, everything is it's right now and it's part of this, the comedy scene is the exact same as well. It's just, you know... There's a, and even the podcast scene as well. When I started my podcast nearly two years ago, I think there was one other podcast at the time. There was a Saigoneer podcast, which was pretty well established. And then within a few months of me starting, there was about five more podcasts. Because obviously everyone was having the same idea at the same time. Like, And then now, um, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I've just been put in this article about 7 million bytes as a trendsetter in podcasts in Vietnam, which blew my mind. I was like, wait, what? So that was really cool. But again, there was no real thought at the beginning when I started this that I was going to be, and still not a massive podcast, but it's pretty pretty popular now, I think, from what I can from what I hear. So there was this and the, like these baby steps and then things get bigger and bigger, right? And there is just so many opportunities here. That's the good thing and the bad thing about Saigon, I think. But I also, every day I wake up, I'm like, oh my God, I could do so many things or oh, I could do this and maybe I should go this and oh, that works really well for this person. You know, like I think you get really distracted here mm-hmm. when you don't really know your path. And until today, I don't really know, okay, I'm going to be like this DJ or I don't do this, but you need to really be focused here, I think. And that's what I really tell myself every day. I'm like, okay, you have 7,000 other ideas, but you have this one way which brought you so, like, which you really love and brought you that far. And I think keeping that in mind is really good, but always keep your mind, keep your eyes open for new opportunities. Not like close your eyes, like, oh, I just want to be like this DJ forever. Like maybe in five years I'm bored or maybe I find something else. Or I think it's really important in Saigon to... Always keep your kind of eyes open, but really your mind and your soul really keep it to what you really love. 
So what's next for you? So I know you're doing some work with Lewis, who's a producer of 7 Million Bikes, and uh, Lewis is so talented in so many ways, and I love working with Lewis. Um, what, what are you working on with him, and what's next? We... So I have really a lot of things I want to work on. That's why, like, we come back to the so many, or like, there are so many opportunities and so on. I really, actually, what has been really on my mind is, again is like producing events. I've neglected this a bit since I started more my DJing and really more being like this DJ persona. But where what made me become a DJ is also like the events that I've been doing. So I started with doing events here and then I became like, I graduated slowly into this DJ life. I really want to make kind of like unique experiences here, like combining music and art and also like good food, drinks, just to have like a little like, little festival vibe here I don't know because the weather is always good here and in Germany people wait for the summer to do festivals you know or to do parties and Vietnam we have good weather all, all year <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? no seasons it's like, always no, festival always, always festival weather and yeah. I'm like I also like this daytime thing I've really I'm really trying to do it but for local Vietnamese they don't really go out during the day so it's it will be a bit hard but I, I don't know like or sunset things I I really love it um love the atmosphere for sunsets here in Vietnam mm. too. It's beautiful. But I really also want to go more into production. Um, like in general, I think the next step for me is going to be production in every way. Mm. And so what is you're working on with Lewis right now? We're also going to work on some music nice. together. But 2BA. TBA. <laughs> TBA. Well, we'll put the, the link in the show notes for your SoundCloud. I love some of the names of your songs. So <laughs> you had Pomelo Power. Yeah. which I was listening to this morning. And you brought some pomelo with you today, yeah, which exactly. made me laugh when I was yeah. listening to pomelo power today. And you're like, do you want some pomelo? I was like, oh, um, what is... <laughs> She's laughing so hard right now. Oh what are some of the other names of your, your tracks on SoundCloud? Mm, it's like I love doing, I love doing mixes. Um, and every mix has like a different mood for me because... I think like a, a track, one track has like one character, you know, but when you put it together, it's like a whole story. And uh, I love just like bringing like a vibe with my mixes. So one is like Hakuna Mimosa. It's like basically like kind of like you wake up and you drink like Mimosa, you have like a good vibe. And it's like, could be like in the morning, but also could be like you come back from a party, like music that brings you more power or... um Date, date, hit, so is like, is like, okay, Ted is over. So it's like a mix set, kind of finishing the festive vibe, but still bringing the party mood. I know, I, I just like to bring vibes with me. Yeah. And the one <laughs> that vibes. I saw as well made me love is Vietnamese C. Oh yeah, Vietnamese C. That's the track I produced when I was in Mune. We were, I was surfing there with some friends and I was recording um, like some sea sounds and I just really like to experiment with sounds and I made like a track that is when you listen to it you you just know that you're on on like you're just on the beach or seeing the sunset. I haven't really like pushed my music like my own producing music that much lately because um I'm still learning but I really want to go more into it and record like sounds or also instruments from traditional musicians but as I said, so many ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was listening to it and I, no, I, re I really enjoy it because like, I do like electronic music and I, I was uh, I was bopping along this morning. I'm so old bopping along. I wasn't bopping well, along. Bop I was listening to it and yeah. it is really good. So we'll put that, your SoundCloud uh, in the show notes. So you mentioned Sunset Spots. Let's then move on then to the final questions of um, 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast because one of those questions is, but we'll do it in the same order we do it every episode. So the first question is, and I still get this questioned on this all the time. Why is the name of the podcast 7 Million Bikes? And some people don't believe me. There is over 7.5 million registered motorbikes in Saigon. That's the official statistics. There's over 45 million bikes in Vietnam. Um, road, rules are, road rules are more of a... Uh, what, how would you say? Road rules are more... Non-existent? No, they're not non-existent, but they're more... more, but more Also, more cars coming. I don't know where the space is, to be honest. No, I know. The cars are like crazy. The cars yeah. are crazy. We should figure out the car numbers and 
add that and then we see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, the, and then the bikes too. And the, the, like normal like side bicycles, I mean. Yeah, bicycles. Oh, geez, bicycles. There's still some though. Like I still see them and like old ladies cycling from D1 to D2. I'm like, girl, like good on you. Yeah. With like this like crazy like baggage, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So what's your favorite unwritten rule of the road here? So I haven't really, so I learned to drive the motorbike last week in Fukuoka. So I can't really say I, I'm like a professional biker here in Saigon. But as I've just been on grab bike, like for me, it's just like, oh, I don't know. Like I have no rule. I just like, just survive. I don't know. I have really no rule. <laughs> just don't die. That's a great one. That is a great one. We'll take that. Yeah. That's a good one. That's just came out like the first second for me. <laughs> like no other rule for me. Just survive. Don't die. <laughs> so now let's uh, talk about your, your DJing. Sun's going down. Where would be your favorite place in Vietnam to just be chilling to that? Those vibes at sunset spot in Vietnam. I had like great, a great sunset in Fukuok at Episode Festival. That's at Sunset Sanato. Um, it's on the, it's like um, on the west side, kind of like in the middle of the island. It's beautiful there. There is beautiful, but I went to Dala two weeks ago and they have incredible sunset. I think no one really knows about them, but they have a lot of coffee shops where they have it's epic. You see the mountains and you see the sun like so clear and red. It's wow, it's beautiful. But I think wow, I think with the Fukuok Dalat, I think everywhere, like also in Saigon, they have dope sunsets. Here. Oh, it's one of my favorite things about I don't know, not just time, Vietnam, but right? Southeast Asia. Was, when I first came here, it was like, wow. Because I think it's just, well, nearer the equator, it's just yeah. different here. It's redder, it's different colors. It's so just incredible. Yeah. Like, uh, Fukuok is more like like red orange. Saigon is sometimes super red. Depends on the pollution that pollution day. Pollution that day, actually. <laughs> and Hanoi, I haven't really seen the suns. It's always very dusty, I think, because mm. of this pollution too. That's very clear, the sunset. I would love to see a sunset in Sapa, actually. I haven't seen one there because I haven't really noticed that. But one thing that I've noticed is that Vietnamese people don't know the sunset vibe that much yet. I don't know why. They see it every day or maybe they're used to it. But it's so beautiful here. Probably, I mean, because we're we're not used to it, so we we appreciate it more, like anything, right? Appreciate so much, so much. Now I haven't asked yet. Do you speak Vietnamese? Yes, I do. How how good is your Vietnamese? I think it's. I wouldn't say it's like uh, like super. I, I think I'm. Yeah, no, I'm fluent, but my writing is sometimes a bit like I write without any like um, how you say accents. Diacritics. Diacritics. Yeah, I'm not really. I called them that. accents one time when I got corrected on Facebook. Yeah. It's like it's diacritics. Not diacritics. Accents. It's yeah. diacritics. Yeah. Probably I could. <laughs> um, but it's good. I speak northern, um, the northern Oh, you the, the northern accent, yeah, right? Yeah, the northern accent. So say, what do you say when you're in a beer club? Mo, hi. Zo? Yeah. Not yo. Not yo. But now here, of course, I do yo. Yeah, yeah. Again, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, there's different dialects and accents between north and south. And when you're drinking beer in Vietnam, in the north, they say... Zo. Well, give me the whole chant. Mot hai ba zo. And in the, in the south. Mot hai ba yo. That's one of the small differences that I small know, but there are many differences, right? So what's your most useful Vietnamese phrase? Most used. Useful. I think, useful. I say, uh, di choi di. Di choi is like, let's go play, you know. Di choi. Di choi. There's not a real like cool translation for that. Di choi. No. No, I don't think so. Dicho is like when you go out to, so when you were like a small kid, you dicho is like you go play with your your friends. When you get like, when you get older, it's basically you go to the club or you go like, you go have fun with mm. your friends. That's and cool. That's a cute one, yeah. I like that one, dicho. Dicho. Nice. I'm probably saying it wrong though, right? No, you said. Did I say it all right? right? Are you sure about that? Yeah, sure. Um, no. So you've been coming to Vietnam on and off of it many years, obviously, from with your family. Um, and Vietnam has changed massively in the past 20 years. Would you rather live here now or would you rather live in Vietnam 20 years ago? 20 years ago, it was like the 80s. Wow, I think... Actually, I think every time has a very interesting character. I think it... I don't know. Like I live now, so of course I, I just live it because I adapt to the time. But I'm also really interested what it would have been like 20 years ago, you know. I was here already 
20 years ago because I was, no, wait, uh, I was uh, 11. So yeah, May, yeah, 19. 19, Yeah. And I couldn't really say because I was very young and I didn't really understand the culture that much. So it was very interesting for me. But I think my age now living 20, I would, yeah, for sure. Why not? Like riding buffaloes and stuff. I was doing that when I came to Vietnam the first time, you know. And like chilling, like rice fields and houses were much less developed. But I think, yeah, why not? Less pollution maybe, you know. <laughs> less bikes. I think Vietnam had probably was much very different. And every new development was probably much more appreciated than now. I think it's growing so fast. So... I think every time has like a beautiful thing, but of course I'm super happy to be here now. Like let's not let's not put it wrong. It's a know? difficult question, right? People have very, very similar answers to you when I when I ask this question. Yeah. Now, final question is: What's missing from Vietnam? Yeah, great techno party, <laughs> like a Berlin club. Mm, yeah, I think so. Is that something that you maybe would be looking at in the future? One of those opportunities. Uh, I mean, to open a club is like huge responsibility, <laughs> I think. But as I said, again, baby steps, you know? Yeah, yeah. Baby steps. Like to, uh, me being a DJ now, I think I've always already done like a mini step towards that. But let's see. I don't know. I'm really excited what's going to happen in the future here in Vietnam because every day I wake up, it changes so much. <laughs> and I can't keep up with it sometimes, <laughs> you know? If you had a club here or anywhere in the world, what would be the name of your club? Oh my God, that's so hard, the question. Raven, <laughs> Raven Crave, I don't know. <laughs> Raven Crave. <laughs> well, look, thank you so, so much. Uh, it's been amazing chatting to you. It's funny because um, I saw that article on Vice and I, I saw you on there and I was like, ooh, she'd be a great guest on the podcast. And literally like a day or two later, Lewis was like, hey, I'm doing some work with this DJ called Levy Oi. And like I told her about the podcast, she'd be interested in coming on. I was like, I'm interested in having her on. So it was a... Yeah, it's so perfect. That's why I believe in like, you know, like just be open-minded, I think. And of course, I'm not like, for, this is like also the first time on the podcast. But oh, I think that's cool. why I do it because I just want to seek out new experiences also while being here in Saigon. I'm really happy to be here and it was such a great chat. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So tell before you go, tell people where they can find you, follow you, watch you, listen to your music. How can people connect with Levi Oi? On, yeah, on Instagram, Levi Oi, or on, on my SoundCloud to listen to my music. On Instagram, I post like my daily life or just like some pictures, you know, the Instagram game. <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise, yeah, in the future, I hope to do more events. So just, yeah, I, I hope to see you guys there or I'm always, um, yeah, I'm always trying to create new stuff. So I hope that our paths will cross. Awesome. And I'm um, looking forward to coming seeing you DJ one day yes, soon. Yes, also. Yeah, exactly. That's for sure something. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. <laughs> You've been listening to 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast with me, Neil Mackay. And a massive thank you to my guest this week, Levi Oi. That was a really awesome episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was nice to reminisce about uh, the old Glasgow nightclubs, like Sub Club and uh, the Archies. And I always love to talk about the Chemical Brothers as well. So sorry if I mentioned that too much. Look out for more of uh, Levi Oi in the future. She's obviously breaking out, massively popular DJ now and doing some exciting things. And hopefully maybe I'll get to work with her again in the future. As we finish up season five, thank you so, so much to everyone for listening to this episode and anyone who's been listening to all the episodes this season. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. We will be back very, very shortly. I want to give a massive thank you again to our Patreon members, Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson. I also want to say a massive thank you to Lewis Wright for everything he does to support the podcast. Lane Wynn as well, who's always been supporting 7 million bikes from the beginning and will continue to do so. And also a massive thank you again to Devin Grief for helping set up the new 7 million bikes website. Check it out, 7 millionbikes.com I couldn't have done that without them and last of all the biggest best and most thank you of all to my wife Adri Lopez Mackay should I add long suffering wife she is my biggest fan and also my biggest critic which I love she listens to every episode she loves them and she's also 
giving me pointers on what to do better and giving me little bits of critique. So this podcast couldn't happen without her. So thank you so, so much, Adri. You know I love you so much and I couldn't do this without you. So thank you again to everyone who's been listening to 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. I hope you can keep listening in for future episodes, which will be coming very, very soon. And I hope to see you at one of my comedy events soon. Cheers. Bye. hope you enjoyed this episode if you're like me you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public wi-fi this opens you up to digital snoopers it's a massive problem it can be your internet service provider or you know who looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data these days it is vital that you keep your data safe NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>